Time for church to start. It is good to see you this evening. How many of you are already thinking about Thanksgiving next week? Anybody ready for the food? All right, well, good. I'm already ready. I'm, I'm like not eating a lot so I can eat a lot next Thursday, right? Sounds like a plan. All right, so I got a couple of announcements for you real quick. Real quick, you can grab a seat till, uh, till we're ready in just a moment. First off, this coming Sunday, come early because Tish and Mike are making some food. Anyways, uh, where's Tish at? I thought I saw Tish. It's breakfast burritos. Breakfast burritos on Sunday. All right, so come a little early for that. And we always like it when Tish, Mike, and the team make food. So that's this Sunday, so be here early for that. Uh, secondly, don't forget next week. Next week is Thanksgiving, obviously. Remember, next week, our midweek service is Tuesday and not Wednesday. So if you come here Wednesday next week, we will not be here. The chances are I'm already eating, 
All right, so but come Tuesday night, normal service, 7 o'clock right here. We call it Turkey Tuesday, so be here for that. Uh, also, this is the very first time announcement. Uh, December the 10th, that we can start talking about Christmas stuff. Might as well, right? December the 10th, right after church, we're having a church Christmas party. Yay. So, but it's at the Millers, where we've been before a Christmas party last year. December 10th, right after church, a Christmas party at the Millers. If you don't know how to get there, we'll, we'll give you the address. And all you got to do is bring some food to share. We'll, we'll provide the chicken and, and, and drinks and stuff. But you bring something to share, and we'll go over there and have a good time after church on December the 10th. And last but not least, don't forget this coming Sunday is our annual Thanksgiving offering. So uh, I'll actually start to get these out right now. If, you're, if, you're, if you feel led, if you want to, to give uh, as part of that, raise your hand now because we're going to give uh, these envelopes out tonight and Sunday. Uh, and Al and the ushers are going to give these to you right now. And our annual Thanksgiving offering is always designated to something in the church. And this year's Thanksgiving offering uh, is designated towards uh, fixing the sidewalk at the north uh, side of our building. And that's just a, a big project that needs done. So I thank you for your giving, and we'll give more of these out this Sunday. Now, if you forget Sunday, we can collect this for a while, but it's important they go in the yellow envelope so it is separate from your normal tithe and offering. And, and we know it's designated uh, towards that specific offering. So, having said that, I believe that whenever we gather together and we worship together, that God is here with us. Amen. And I believe when God is here with us, that anything is possible. How many of you know that God is the God of the impossible? How many know that? And every time we gather together, we make a statement of belief that we believe that God not only exists, but he responds. And uh, if nothing else, that the presence of God being with us is enough. But I just know that whenever we're in the presence of God, he always is working and doing things beyond our understanding. And if we will just uh, consecrate our hearts tonight and... and you know, bring some focus. And I don't, I don't know what your day was like today. My day was pretty mid. It was normal. Nothing, nothing low, nothing. It was just a normal day. I, I got some work done. I had to interact with people in the office. That could be whatever. But uh, mostly they're good people. Um, but maybe your day wasn't just normal today. Maybe it wasn't a good day. And maybe some things came up today that just weren't the best. That's okay. We come together tonight, and if you can, for the next few moments, just, just give your heart over and worship to him. I believe he's here with us and can be here with us in a very tangible, tangible way. That he can touch your heart. He can change your heart. He can encourage you. He can build you up and send you into tomorrow with the renewed assurance that he is there and he's not going to leave. He's going to be with you no matter what happens tomorrow. Amen. So why don't we give our hearts to him tonight in worship? So why don't we all stand up on our feet? Lord, we, we come to you tonight. You are so good and you are so wonderful. And I ask 
Lord, as we worship you, that your Holy Spirit is, is present in this room, in this building, in this sanctuary. And the Holy Spirit is present in a tangible way. Lord, the God, you are so, so personally intimate, intensely personal. And you remind us of that again tonight. Lord, you continue to lead us and you continue to take us somewhere in this life that we live. Showing yourself to be true and, and really the God of the impossible. Lord, I, I thank you for that. We worship you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you. 
that we can count on you. Knowing that you never change, Lord. And you haven't failed us yet. And you're not going to, Lord, because you are good. And you have good plans for us. So we just thank you, Father, for who you are, for what you've done in our lives, Lord, and what you've continued to do, Lord. We ask for more, Lord, more of you tonight. Lord, I pray that you would just let your fire fall and you would let the wind blow and your glory, Lord, that it would come down. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, everybody. Come on and grab a seat. Good to have you tonight. Uh, tithe and offering, if you have something to, to give tonight, uh, tithe and offering envelopes are in the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around where the ushers will help you out. If all the teenagers will grab a seat, please. We're ready to start. Thank you. 
thought I'd call you all out. Everybody except Lila. Lila was sitting. Kelly was standing, but she's not a teenager anymore, so. Sorry, I thought you, you thought you could slip in there, but it wasn't happening, so. All right, so if you do have something to give, you can get that ready. And uh, I will pray over your giving tonight. So if you have something when I'm done praying, you can bring it down. Lord, we thank you to be in your house, to be together. Wonderful Wednesday night, Lord. And, and I pray that you bless us tonight, Lord, in, in all manners of blessings, Lord. And I, and I, I, I pray that unapologetically, Lord, that, uh, Lord, that who you are is showing up in our lives in so many different ways, Lord. And we thank you for uh, the blessing of increase that comes from you. And, and we tithe off of that, and we give offering as you place it upon our hearts off of that, Lord. As we increase, Lord, that we honor you with our giving and the, the tithe that is holy unto you. And, and it's an act of worship, Lord, as we give tonight, Lord. Uh, and to know that you uh, will do with what comes into the house above and beyond what we can can think can happen with it, Lord, because you, you are, are the wonder worker of, of things beyond our imagination. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. All right, so bring it if you have it, or as the case is, give it to Mike and he'll walk it down. So Thanksgiving next week, all right, somebody tell me, I'm going to just take a couple things right here. Can't answer turkey, but what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? What? What do you say? Uh, some green, you like green bean casserole? That's like your favorite outside is green green beans? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, some people make ham for Thanksgiving. That's acceptable. Uh, what else? How many of y'all are stuffing fans? Anybody a stuffing fan? I'm a stuffing fan. How about sweet potato casserole? Sweet potato casserole. Sweet potato casserole is good as long as there's so much brown sugar and you can't take sweet potatoes. Amen. <laughs> uh, if any of you here tonight... Uh, for your family, maybe a struggle to put a Thanksgiving meal out next Thursday, let me know. Maybe to be able to help you be able to do that, okay? Uh, and hopefully you're able to spend it with friends and family. And, and hopefully you don't have to work. I hope not, but uh, get to rest that day and be thankful. How many of you are thankful for what God has done in your life? Amen? All right. So, again, next week, our midweek is Tuesday, Turkey Tuesday, and then uh, we'll get on with Thanksgiving next week. All right. You, if you got your Bibles, Matthew 24. I'd like to maybe come back to Matthew 24 at some point and, and spend some more time there. We're just going to uh, read uh, some verses there, jump over to Romans chapter 8 real quick and, and bring a couple things together. I want to just talk to you about it. Matthew 24 and verse number 1 says, And Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came uh, to point out to him the buildings of the temple. 
But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be one left here, uh, one stone upon another, that will not be thrown down. And, and of course, uh, this could be fulfilled in 70 AD, uh, what we would say uh, 40 years or so, a little less than 40 years after Jesus said this, when the Romans came in and destroyed the temple. So it was a kind of a prophetic word right there that was fulfilled uh, within the lifetime of those that were listening to him talk about it. But then as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? Okay, so maybe referring to what he said just about the temple. And what will the sign be of your coming and of the end of the age? So there's kind of a, a multi-layered question, though they may not have understood it as that. It was. And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear wars of wars and rumors of wars. Uh, see that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all of these are but the beginning of birth pains. It's pretty interesting, um, the things that Jesus says in Matthew 24. And I, I, I sort of bring this up because I was thinking about this in light of what's happening in the Middle East currently with Israel and, and Hamas and Palestine and all, all these different things. And whenever things like this happen, there, there can be a lot of response in churches from the pulpit, uh, kind of, I think, in some, some cases in my opinion, overreaching and, and really, you know, th this is exactly what the Bible's talking about here and, and doing that. And at some point, that's going to happen. It's going to be correct. But the point I, I, I want to say real quick is that, yes, the earth, the world, society is in birth pains. It has been for a long time. Now, if you read all the way down through... Uh, Matthew 24, uh, Jesus gets to, to a place where he's talking about these things. Um, he says that uh, this generation will not pass away until these things uh, take place. And that's in verse 34. What's interesting is the temple was destroyed. That was within that generation. But yet there are things that Jesus is talking about that have not fully taken place because he has not returned again. That makes sense. So, so it's kind of a duality happening here. There's so much debate on that one verse there, and this generation will not pass away. And we're not going to get into that. But the point being is the world is in birth pains and has been. And Romans 8.22 uh, says the same thing, and you can write that down and look at that later. But as the world is in birth pains, and I think it's scripturally obvious that it is, I want you to just maybe focus on one part of what we just read, and then we'll, we'll talk about some other things. 
But it says there in verse 6, see that you are not what? Verse 6, see that you are not what? See that you are not what? I think the church needs to learn this lesson. Because we get all worried and anxious and, and all up in arms and, oh, there, there's a new war here and there's famines happening, earthquakes, and Jesus saying, this is going to happen. I'm telling you way long in advance. When these things happen, don't get all alarmed about it. This is all part of it. Because a lost world will go to war against itself. That's what humans do. That's endgame, Right? The earth itself, the earth itself, because creation has been corrupted by sin, will, in birth pains, produce things like famines and earthquakes. That's just part of it. So when you watch the news and you see things that are going on in Israel and, and, and Palestine, the possibility of things spreading and Iran getting involved and all, okay, don't be alarmed. Don't get all up in arms. Don't get scared. Don't get worried. These things, kind of things, must take place. And whether these are entryways, gateways into what we consider the end of the age and Jesus coming back, if so, so be it. If not, it's birth pains. And either way, these things must happen. So don't be alarmed. Okay, that's a good word. And if you need to write that somewhere where you see it a lot, don't be alarmed. Write above on a note above your TV, set it there so when you not watch the news, you can just look up and say, don't be alarmed. Or put it with a piece of tape on your phone. If you look at the news on your phone, you can just look, don't be alarmed. These things must take place. Notice if Jesus is saying these things must take place, then they're not outside his sovereignty. And we talked about the sovereignty of God not long ago on a Wednesday. In other words, God has not lost control. These things are not spiraling out of his grip. Matter of fact, these things actually must take place. Now, I think it's really interesting. He gives this whole business and there's a lot more to it and sometimes maybe we'll dig into this a little more but right after that is Matthew 25 and he, he actually gives some things that, that actually happen within our lifetime and some things that obviously seem to be down the road and later in the future and he comes right back in Matthew 25 he's like okay now that you hear all that here's what you need to do make sure that your oil lamps are ready so when the Son of Man returns, you're ready for him. Then he goes right in and says, and you got talents that I've given you. Do something with what you've been given because it's an account for what you do with what you have. In other words, don't be so alarmed that you stop living purpose in life. And as a matter of fact, don't be so alarmed by all these things that and he says, and by the way, make sure you take care of the poor that are around you, the naked and, and those that are hungry and the thirsty and those in prison and the sick. Don't get so alarmed by craziness that, that you forget about those in need. See that? He, he, he lets you know that things are going to happen that can seem very alarming, but yet here is still life. 
And you must live life in the way that God intends you to live it until he comes again. I don't want you to become discouraged or disheartened by things that you cannot control around you. So, example, last week uh, there was uh, voting here in Ohio, and, and some of you didn't like the way some of the things turned out. I don't want you to be disheartened and discouraged by the things you cannot control. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes, uh, sometimes I wonder why we are so surprised when a sinful world acts like a sinful world. I expect the sinful world to act like a sinful world. Let's just be honest. And I'm not going to get discouraged or disheartened when the world acts in a way that I can't control. See, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 4, he said, Blessed are those who mourn, where they will be comforted. Now, there, there's some different aspects and ways you can see that, but one of the ways you can see blessed are those who mourn is when you see the lost world around you, it can cause you to mourn in your heart and the things that happen and wars and rumors of wars, famines and earthquakes that are destructive. It may cause you to mourn in your heart because you can see the lostness that is there. But blessed are you if you mourn because God will comfort you. So here's the thing. You, as a believer, are a citizen of this world. How many of you right now are a citizen of the United States of America by carrying papers? Yeah. Guess what? I'm going to tell you something. You may not want to hear this, but guess what? You must participate in this world. You've got to go to the grocery store and buy groceries. You've got to go to a job so you have money to buy groceries. And after you go to your job, you've got the government that takes taxes out. And you get mad they take taxes out. And you get mad what they do with your taxes. You, you cannot go, you can try, and I know people have probably done this, but you can't go and hide in a cave somewhere and not participate in this world. You must participate in a world where lostness is having its way, Right? And there's a whole lot of stuff going on that you cannot control. Because you're a citizen here breathing right now, alive. But what supersedes that is you are a citizen of where? Heaven. And you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And what being a citizen of the kingdom of God does is it informs you and also forms you of how you're supposed to be a citizen in this world. 
And nowhere in the Bible does it tell you to go hide in the cave. It actually tells you to be light in the world. And you can't be a light in the world when you're hiding. One of the best things you can teach your kids is, you know what? You got to be a citizen in this world. Let's show you how to be a light. Because the kingdom of God informs you and forms you, teaches you and changes you, and it shows you then how to be participants in a world that is lost. In other words, you participate in helping God bring heaven to earth as Jesus prayed. It wasn't that his prayer? Our Father in heaven, holy is your name, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. He didn't say, get us out of here as fast as you can. Lord, why am I still here? Now, now see, our, our oil lamps are burning, and we're ready when he comes. But until it happens, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, our participation as citizens of this world comes through the fact that we're citizens of heaven, and our job is to be in on what God is up to to bring heaven to here, in other words, the kingdom of God in this world. But here's the, here's the question. How? So, I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all of the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had, he had what? On who? The crowds. And, and who were the crowds? They were the ones that needed who? Him. Because Jesus came to seek and save those who were what? Okay, full, full stop. When you are informed by the kingdom and you're formed by the kingdom, one of the greatest reactions you can have to a lost world around you, and especially in the things you can't control, is to have what? Compassion. Because compassion moves your heart to do something. The world can cause you to mourn. It's lostness. I just wish they could see what they're doing. They don't understand. But let your mourning move to compassion for what you see. Because what happens is this then, when Jesus saw compassion, this is what he said. And by the way, he had compassion because they were harassed, they were helpless, they were like a sheep without shepherd. 
Then he said to his disciples, moved in compassion, the harvest is plentiful. Okay. If you want to get a new perspective on the lost world, think of it as a plentiful harvest. That will change your perspective. There are my enemies because they're sinners and they do this and they do that and look at destruction they cause and you get angry. Okay, take a step back and come back. But they are a possible harvest of the kingdom of God. Why are we still here? One of the answers is because the harvest is still in front of us. The fullness of time has not been complete yet. And because there's a harvest in front of us, but then what, what happened? But really the laborers are few. So, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. In other words, that we see this lost world around us doing what they do, don't get overly discouraged. Don't get overly heartened. Mourn what you see, but respond with compassion and take the gospel to them. You see what I'm getting at? We are in birth pains. It's obvious. How much more so to have compassion for those that Jesus came to seek and to save? So how, how am I to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven while I'm a citizen in this world in the midst of a lost world? Be a laborer in the harvest field. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Be really honest. You can go be mad at me. You can get angry about all this stuff you don't like seeing, but I'd ask the question, when was the last time you told somebody about Jesus? Be angry all you want to. But until you turn around in compassion and start sharing the gospel, nothing will change. You see that? Because the thing about it is this. We have to know that regardless of other things that we can do that we think have good results, the actual action of the kingdom of God has to come through what Jesus told us to do. And if we try to think we're going to secure it any other way, we end up like Peter and Jesus when Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go die. And Peter says, no, far be it. You can't do that. And, and Jesus said, behind me what? Satan, you have the in mind the things of man and not the things of God. We cannot establish the kingdom of God any other way than what was described by Jesus. Oh, other things, okay, fine. But if we're not doing it, harvest and laborers, it will always fall short. I think sometimes we get frustrated. And when we do that, we resort to want to do other things when it seems like the way of Jesus isn't working as fast or as much as we want. 
and we end up putting our hope in other things. Well, if this was what happened and this would have happened, it all would have been better and we'd have saved it all. But really what's going to save is Jesus. Matter of fact, I would tell you this. Don't put your hope entirely in other things other than Jesus. Don't put your hope in other things that you think are going to fix everything other than Jesus. Matter of fact, as a believer, I'm going to say this, as a believer, when you put your hope entirely in other things, you have a tendency to put yourself so close to it, you can't step back and have any prophetic critique of it. Don't ever lose your prophetic critique of things in this world. So let me speak politically then. You can say, I want this person to win this election. Okay, nothing wrong with that. You can have a political opinion, hopefully prayerfully formed. But don't put your hope so much in that, that A, you think they're going to fix it, because they're not. And B, that you lose your prophetic critique of the situation. In other words, you just blind yourself to everything that is not right, because your hope is so much in it. Listen, I vote and, 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 and I have very strong opinions about stuff, but I will never lose my prophetic critique to be able to stand back and say, but yet still this is not right. And that is not of God. And that is not of the kingdom. Because nobody replaces the kingdom. You see what I'm getting at? That is why we have to come back to, okay, do those things, but you still have to share the gospel. You still have to participate in how you can to right the injustices of the world. And that takes participation. You see what I'm getting at? Listen, the world and those around you have zero obligation to respond to anything you do. Zero obligation. Until every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But that does not remove the obligation to keep sharing the gospel. You see what I'm getting at? That we must not forget, in spite of all the different things we do, that we lose perspective on our primary purpose as a citizen of the kingdom of God, while we're a citizen in this world, to be a light of Jesus in the world. And I think sometimes we, we have to come back and hear these things and remind ourselves. And where the kingdom is established, praise God. Where somebody is saved, praise God. Where somebody is set free, praise God. Amen. See, 1 Corinthians 15. Great, great chapter. And, and Paul writes to, to the letter uh, 
to the church in Corinth about the, the resurrection of the dead. This is how Paul ends talking about being the resurrection of the dead that comes with the return of Jesus in verse 58, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in what? Vain. That until we go or he comes, that we abound in the work of who? The Lord, first and foremost, above everything else we do, first and foremost. Because regardless of what you think is happening with the work that you do, it is never in vain. Never. Because it's calling. It's purpose. Because it is a bit about you and certainly about others. But it's a life that we're called to live. So when I see a lost world and I mourn for the lost world, I need that to turn into a compassion to take the gospel to what is around me. And therefore, I participate in the prayer of Jesus. Kingdom come, will be done on earth. Who is in heaven right now? Save people, souls, spirits, right? In other words, it's the work of the gospel of salvation that we're called to. And that flows into works of justice and, and, and helping those in need and, and, and in ways that we can't correct wrongs and, and help make them right. Amen. This is the work of the Lord that is not in vain. And we must commit ourselves to it. I, listen, I implore you, when you get frustrated at what's happening in the world, turn it into compassion and share Jesus. When you don't like what you see, birth pains, a lost world living like a lost world, let it spark compassion in you and share Jesus. When you feel disheartened by what you see and you're frustrated, okay, okay, I get it. But let do something within you that you want to take the gospel. And share the reason for the hope that you have, as, as Peter writes, with gentleness and respect. So they can't falsely accuse you of, of, of wrong motives and attitudes. And tell people about the hope that you do have. Because I, I wonder if, I wonder sometimes if things do go our way, the way we want everything to work out, if that would just kind of quench the fire of sharing the gospel because everything seems to be okay now. Why would I share Jesus with anybody? That you never lose a desire to 
to see what's around you and just go, my goodness, the harvest is ripe. And I'd like to be counted among the laborers. And, and whatever that means to you in, in, in your, your work relationships, your, your family, wherever your courage and your boldness takes you, to share Jesus. And let that drive you in how you see what is around you. So, so I, I'm not alarmed by what's happening with Israel. We pray for peace. We pray for safety. We pray for all those things. Pray for Israel. Pray for Palestine. Pray for the situation to be resolved. Amen. It doesn't alarm me. These things are going to happen. But even in not being alarmed, goodness, big picture story is people need to know Jesus. And we go share him, tell him. And then let the Holy Spirit do what he does. This incredible work of, of drawing people in and making new creations and all this stuff that happens. Wonderful thing. Can, can you imagine the, the, the thought that you're helping populate an eternity of new heaven and new earth people. Think about that. When you think about the scope of eternity, that's a big deal. Right? That just by a simple sharing of something, just talking to somebody, that you may change the destiny of somebody's eternity. Because you may help open the door to the conviction of the Holy Spirit that's at work in this world, that God would be able to grab their heart as they respond to him in faith. It's an amazing thought. It's, about, it's not like, like an old gunman where you put notches in your belt or somebody you kill. It's not like that. It's, I mean, you don't get to put notches in your belt. Man, how many have you saved? I've saved 20. You know, it's, it's not about pats on your back. But, but it's about a compassionate heart that drives you into a lost world that needs Jesus now as much as they did when Jesus was walking the earth. Amen? And especially, I know there's people who say, I, I just really believe it's going to be within my lifetime. Jesus is going to come back. People say those things. We'll see. But if you really believe that, how does it change how you live? I mean, does it really cause you to have an urgency with the gospel? Those you love and those you know? You see what I'm getting at? That we're driven simply to share Jesus. So I just I I I, I hope I meant this to be encouraging. To, to, to say, okay, all right, whatever. Go. 
Let's go. Let's just get up. We'll be mad. Let's go. Let's see what God will do. Amen? Amen. All right. Let me pray. Oh, Jesus. I, I pray we're caught fire with you. And we want to see that fire spread. Because you are the only way, the only truth, the only life that brings us back to the Father in the fullness of salvation. And I pray, Lord, that, that there, there's something that catches hold of us and some courage, maybe some boldness. Compassion for what's around us. That we don't leave behind moments that, Lord, when presented with opportunities that, that the Holy Spirit catches our heart, in these moments you give us the words to say, the, the things to do, to live a life, Lord, that comes with the name of Jesus. And I thank you for that. And I praise you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. All right. So, Sunday morning, come on out. Uh, we are questions that Jesus asked. What is it good to gain the whole world, let lose your soul? We're going to talk about that Sunday. All right. So, be out here for that. We'll see you Sunday morning. Bring somebody out with you and breakfast burritos.